Swagoo and Perk, an ESPN podcast led by its namesake hosts, Marcus Spears, that's Swagoo, and Kendrick Perkins, that's uh, Perk. We've got new episodes every Tuesday morning. Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journeys, and their can't-miss conversations. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from Philadelphia, I think that's where you are, Bontemps. That is correct. Sixers Jazz tonight. Sixers Jazz. Or Thursday night, I guess, for the listeners. Right. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, is Ban McMahon. Howdy, partners. And I'm in Atlanta, where I'm here for Nets Hawks Friday night. It's a whole bunch of, I shouldn't say a whole bunch. There's a bunch of NBA scouts in town to see this young man from Auburn play. They're playing mm-hmm. here on Saturday. What's his name, Bon Temps? I don't know draft picks. <laughs> Sorry, I had my mute on. I believe, I believe his name is Jabari Smith. I was going to say, what, what, once we get bat, past the top two, I get a little shaky too. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but that's not the only reason why they're here, and I'll talk about that in a little while. But first off, McMahon, the day is here. The first Bon Temps poll. The Bon Temps poll, mm. as I've called it, the straw poll on the MVP vote has been released. Once again, Bon Temps is way, way premature. <laughs> it's about a third of the way through the season. This is the fifth year. Actually, Tim, I'll just let you say, I think it's the fifth year you've been, you've been doing this. Um, yeah, that's the data. fifth different season, fifth different season that we've done the, uh, done the poll over the past six yeah. years. Typically does it about a third of the way into the season and with about a third of the season left. We always agree on everything that is said. And so that's why every time a fun, very fun uh, discussion. So uh, without further ado, the Bontemps poll, Mr. Bontemps, um, tell us your findings. So I I would say there's a couple things that stood out. Uh, Last year, when we did the first round of the poll, Real quick, uh, sorry to interrupt. Yep. yep. You please say your methodology. 100 likely MVP voters. Yeah, I guess we should do that first. So the goal of the poll is to be as uh, close as possible to the actual uh, voting system the NBA uses at the end of the season. It's not exactly the same voters, but I get a couple people from all 30, all 28 markets where the NBA teams play. I get people from overseas to vote and uh, uses the same scoring system the NBA does, where you get 10 points for a first place vote, seven for second, five for third, three for fourth, and one for fifth. So the goal is to try to make it seem as close to what the actual vote will look like in the spring as possible. And so last year, the first poll we did, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, and Steph and uh, LeBron James were all basically mm-hmm. tied. It was the closest that the poll had ever been uh, through the first set of results. Um, obviously. As the season went on, th- things happened. Nicole Jokic pulls ahead, as he did in the second poll and won. This year's poll, the thing that stood out to me the most is that Stephen Curry, who I thought would end up being the winner in the poll, was the runaway winner in the poll. 
got 94 of 100 first place votes. And there was very clear delineation between each spot. Steph was first. Kevin Durant was second. Yas Senecupo was third. Nikola Jokic was fourth. And Chris Paul was fifth. And it usually at the beginning of the season, there's a couple guys that are in the mix. And it's kind of a, you know, somewhat of a race. This year, Steph is miles ahead. And I think to me, the biggest light thing years said, ahead, light years, light years ahead. ahead, as Joey, as Joey Lake would say, the owner of the Warriors. And I think what it says to me is that if Steph Curry stays healthy and if the Warriors stay anywhere near the same pace they're on, I think it's going to be extremely hard for him not to win a third MVP award this season. I'm really surprised that you can get 100 people to return your text messages because I know 100 people don't like you. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> I got to harass a lot of people to do it. Uh, you know, the, that voting, though. I think it's, I mean, mine, same top five, same order, except for I had four or five flipped. And, you know, at that point, I, I felt Chris Paul, given the sun success, was better. But whatever, you know, we're, we're uh, picking nits there. But I do think that this is a pretty, like, if you want to talk about narrative and all that, hey, the narrative is certainly set up for Steph to win it. The Warriors not just vaulting back to relevancy, but like zooming back to, uh, you know, front runner status with Steph playing as well as he ever has. It wasn't like it, I didn't have to think long and hard to put him number one on my list. Well, and the other thing that stands out in Steph's favor is that you look at the Suns, the team that are the biggest competitor in the standings. And, you know, Chris Paul got the most votes while Devin Booker yeah. got some also. They don't have the guy that you look at and say, this guy is the clear number one choice to kind of match with Steph, right? right. In terms of, with Steph versus this guy. Um, and uh, and you look at the defending champions, the Bucks got off to a bit of a slow start because Giannis, in large part because Giannis missed some time at their injuries. You know, we could look back or, or, or look at this thing next time the poll comes up into the season, you know, and, and if the Bucks end up running away with the Eastern Conference and Giannis puts up silly numbers, then there might be a debate there. But, yeah, the, Steph, Chris Paul didn't feel like a, a, a debate. No, it's, I've, we, I've said this a couple of times, and it's just a, a reminder. So did you give the actual raw number, um, Bon Temps? Yeah, let me. Just, I'll, I'll run through it really quick. So Steph had 94 first-place votes. He had a total of 978 points. 94 out of, out of, 100, 94 out of 100. That's an overwhelming mm -hmm. um, yep. position. In case Kevin you're not Durant good at math. Had, <laughs> Kevin Durant had two first-place votes and 610 points. Giannis had three first-place votes, 471 points. Jokic had the other first place vote, 256 points. Then it went down from there. But yeah, and, last, and, and last year, first, second, and third, there was a gap of 160 points between the first three guys. And Duran is more than double that gap behind, or that's that size behind already. So just sort of sums up where Steph is at in the race at this point. Yeah. And KD has, if we're talking about just MVP voting, he does have the, you know, I'm going to call it an advantage of, you know, there's another max player, another superstar who's just not going to show up at all. And then the James Harden that, that has showed up this season, you know, isn't the same dude um, for a, a variety of reasons. And, and by the way, when I saw the Nets the other day, it's the first time I'd seen them live this season. And Harden is in really good shape. Like Harden looks sleek. He looks lean. Um, I just don't think he has the same burst that he had before 
the hamstring injuries that he you had know last what? year. I don't, you know, so uh, on Wednesday night, they had the, uh, um, the James Harden tribute video when he went back to Houston. Yeah. And so I, when he was out there on social media, I watched it. It's kind of the, if, if you saw the 2021, 22 Nets Harden highlight video versus that one, it's a, I mean, I know I'm not exactly breaking news here, but it looks pretty different. You know, I mean, in, in terms of everything about him, you know, I, he, he's bigger, he's less muscle defined. He's slower. Like, you know, he's not, I don't think he's bigger right now. Again, I was surprised. That I don't know, he man. He really like, looks sleek. There was, by, a, and, and by Harden, like, you know, Harden's always going to be a broad shoulder guy, but hard, just based on my eye test, and obviously I've I've been around Harden a lot, seen him a lot. I don't think physical fitness conditioning is is his problem right now. I, we can talk about the rules change, the way that defenders are feel more comfortable being more aggressive defending him because they're not worried about picking up cheap little fouls. And then I just don't think he has the same burst. And it was especially apparent last night in Houston when KD, after playing like. One million in ten minutes in the previous five games, rested on a back to back, and it's like okay, it's set up for the old James Harden routine, and he just he couldn't he couldn't score like he like he used to. Yeah, KD KD made the joke that he was gonna um, <laughs> that he was gonna uh, you know play, play all forty eight just because yeah, just to give yeah. you all something to talk about. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, and the interesting thing about the James Harden discussion is that you know it was notable that. LeBron didn't get a vote in the poll from the first time I've done. I think I've done eight or nine of these now. Now, LeBron has missed half the season. Yeah. Otherwise, he would have gotten votes. But Anthony Davis has missed all but has played all but three games. Did not get a single vote. Shouldn't James have. Harden has played all but three games. Did not get a single vote. Shouldn't have. And I think when you look at and, and right, neither one of them, nobody even really considered voting for them, understandably. And I think when you look at where the Nets are at, in terms of their record against the elite competition in the league, they're 0-6 against the Warriors, Suns, Bucks, Heat, and Bulls. And the Lakers being a 500-ish team, <clears throat> yes, the Lakers have had LeBron out. Yes, their defense has been an issue. Yes, Kyrie isn't playing for the Nets. But James Harden isn't playing to the level he's expected to. Anthony Davis isn't playing to the level he's expected to. That's why those teams have, you know, to some degree, both disappointed so far this season. Yeah, and and Luka Doncic, who correct me if I'm wrong, was the Vegas front runner going into I have the season, it. I, the Vegas I have favorite, it. right? Yeah. So he, um, different places, he was five to one or six to one mm-hmm. that I saw. Uh, he was the favorite. Joel Embiid was the second favorite. It would tie. Actually, he and Durant were tied about seven to one or eight to one. Embiid only got one fifth place vote. I assume that's because of injuries, Bontemps. I mean, he's. He's he's actually played pretty well in the last. Couple he's played of weeks. he's played really well, and remember not the they injuries, were, but he uh, he had the well, COVID, he had COVID he right. Weeks. He missed yeah. a bunch of time, and again, like if 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 he doesn't miss time with COVID, and the Sixers are first or second in the East, and he's playing really well, then yeah, then his position probably does look different than if he misses nine games. Yeah, um, and the and I think the Sixers went two and seven in him and fell down the standings. I mean, again, it's early in the season, but you know oh, that's why the way that's why just the way it shook out to me. Normally, there's at least a debate about a couple guys early on. And the fact that, like, like McMahon said earlier, the fact that the Warriors have roared back the way they have, that Steph, you know, who's going to try to break the three, all-time three-point record here in Philly on Saturday, is playing as well as he is. You just look at that combination of factors. 
I think if he stays on the court and they stay, like I said, anywhere near the pace they're on, it's, I think it's just going to be very hard for him to, to lose that award. Yeah. And, and Luca's missed four games with the, the sprained ankle, then that ankle being sore again. Uh, he's, he hasn't played at an MVP level. He, he, he doesn't deserve to be a, a serious so candidate. You wrote a point. story. You wrote a story the other day about him admitting he wasn't in the best condition. You know, I have to say. One of the played, only assists of Reggie Miller's career, by the way, Reggie Miller hammered it so hard on the TNT broadcast that, <laughs> that it became a, a some like, it's not like it, we all have eyeballs. We all know he's not in shape, but it became a storyline because Reggie Miller hit it so hard. So, uh, you know, he played over the summer a lot. You know, Slovenia had to qualify for the Olympics. So they had to play that tournament and they pulled off an upset. Well, maybe it wasn't an upset. They were just better. Well, beat Lithuania in Lithuania, though. Yeah. So big win. And then they flirted with winning a medal. Yeah. Fourth play. Um, They played in the bronze medal game. More, right. I guess that's more than flirted. Um, And and he was, he he was awesome. He was awesome in the playoffs. Went I was straight really, from Dallas to Slovenian national team's training camp. Right. Right. Into the qualifying yep. tournament, long Olympics run, took three weeks off, and reported weighing more than 260 pounds. Now, yeah, he so, reported so that's that, the thing. Yeah. What did he say to you about the three weeks off? Because well, he didn't he said, make a reference to that. He, he, he said, uh, I, I took, I took uh, basically had a long summer, you know, went to the Olympics, took three weeks off, relaxed a little bit maybe too much, (laughs) you know, and and he said, basically he he knows that he he has to get back on track. He has to get better. And look, it's Luca enjoys life and all that that implies. Right. So those three weeks off, I am assuming, um, he really had a good time and that's apparent. Um, he has the kind of frame that, he can pack pounds on very hard nest frame. So yes. I'd say, yes. Uh, you know, look, Nikola Jokic is in early in his career and Luca is still a damn good basketball player when he is, you know, and he played probably like two fifty ish last year, even after he slimmed down, you know, ideally he'd be probably be someone in the two forties. Luca can carry 10 or 15 extra pounds and still be a really, really good basketball player. Yep. But he, you know, it, it, he for the Mavericks to be anything other than a one and done playoff team, Luca has to be probably the best player in the world. Yeah, you know, I was he talking to a scout. Shape. I was talking to a scout this week, and he said basically, when you watch the Mavericks play, Luca puts up numbers every single game. Some games he puts up the num- he puts up numbers, and he's really efficient, and the Mavericks yeah. win. Sometimes he puts up numbers that are not efficient, and they typically lose. But he puts up numbers every game, and it's just that the, the way the team is structured and the overall talent level, they really they can't really afford him playing less than less than top efficiency. And so that's a comment on Luca because he has inefficient games, and two on the Mavericks roster. The reason that they're 500 team, they had a nice win over the Grizzlies, who had been red hot um, on Wednesday night. Um, but the reason they're a 500 team is because of their overall roster issues. Yes. As much as it is because Luca is not in the best shape, but you know, you, you know, you've heard Steve Kerr say repeatedly that Draymond Green's participation yeah. in the Olympics helped fuel. And I mean, he had the same three weeks off helped fuel his, his rise. I mean, typically, um, you know, the Olympics, you know, they, they tire you out, but typically help your conditioning. So it's just, it was surprising 
Well, and, and, and Draymond has talked about, you know, Draymond's talked openly about, hey, he's in much better shape. He's cut back on drinking, you know, things like, like lifestyle matters. It matters at 22. It matters more as you get older. Um, and, you know, Luca is going to be like, you know, look, Luca's going to be a Hall of Famer no matter what. If he's going to fulfill his potential, which is potentially one of the best players that we've ever seen <laughs> in this sport, then at some point he's going to have to take, you know, diet and lifestyle and and conditioning and all that stuff seriously on a, on a year round basis. And um, that is that is something that many players in their early twenties yes. have to. I mean, it's it's a you know sometimes it's the inverse. You know, it's funny he and Porzingis have the inverse. You've wanted Porzingis to gain and and Luca to lose, but typically players you know year three four start to. You know, they either do it or they don't. That's, yeah, a, that's and, and he, and unusual. what's funny is Luca did it after his rookie year. He came back in great shape the next year. You know, I remember Courtney Lee, a vet on the team, commenting about skinny Luca going to be a problem on Instagram. You know, of course, when they're working, you'll see it. There'll be pictures on Instagram. <laughs> when right. they're partying, you might not see that as much. Right. So, but, but to your point, to your point, one, Luca has not played at an MVP level. Two, it's a awfully mediocre roster around him. And look, if if the vast majority of the team wasn't in a three-point funk and Luca's averaging two more assists per game, you know, it, it, it's a different story, but that's not the reality. So at the start of the season, Harden was around 20 to 1, 20. I see 20 here, 22. AD was around 28 to 1. Um, <clears throat> boy, Jokic was 15 to 1, no respect. Um, so it's not like those guys not getting a um, bunch of jackasses votes. in Vegas. <laughs> It's not like those uh, guys not getting votes is a stunner, uh, Bontemps. But if your point is that they've underachieved, I think this is that reinforces it. Well, they've gotten votes basically every year when they've been healthy, right? Right. Or, or like at the beginning of last year, James Harden did get votes because you know he obviously had the whole situation getting traded and everything that happened in Houston. But by the end of the season, if he had not hurt his hamstring late in the season, he would have probably been a top three finisher and MVP again, even after that, for how well he played for the Nets. So. You know, an AD look, I mean, AD is a guy that's been consistently, you know, somewhere in the top eight in voting over the past few years. And you know, look, if, if you said coming into the season, AD was going to play miss play 90% of the games and James Harden was going to play 90% of the games, you would think they would be somewhere involved in this poll. And I think the fact that they're not, it's not the only reason their teams have underachieved a bit compared to what people might have thought, but it's certainly a part of the reason why. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by.
So Curry, I'm seeing him at eight to one or nine to one, looking back at various services from the late summer, early fall. You know, we always talk about the value of winning when it comes to the MVP and also narrative. But 2020-21, last year, Curry averaged 32 points, led the league in scoring, shot 48% overall, which was one of the best of his career. I think the third best of his career, maybe fourth. 42% on threes. He averaged uh, five and a half rebounds, almost six assists, one steal a game. Not an MVP candidate. Uh, I don't know, remember where he finished. He did miss nine games, but um, those were his numbers. 32, uh, five, and six, basically on 48% shooting. This year, he's averaging 27 and a half points. So I, the whole league scoring is down, right. but I'm just, I'm just making the point. He's shooting 44% overall. Still very strong for a perimeter player, but less than last year. Shooting 41% on threes. Excellent, but still less than last year, less than the other years when he won the MVP. Um, he's averaging a half more. He's averaging the same amount of rebounds, a half more assist a game, and a half more steal a game. And right. he's a runaway, runaway uh, MVP. Well, last uh, year he last year he finished third, right? And his team was uh, was flirting with making the playoffs. Yeah. This year he's the runaway winner, at least in this early straw poll, because, like you said, his team is on pace to win sixty five games. Right. And so he, generally, he was a candidate last year. Right. He was just you know third. Right. But race. he wasn't. Yeah. He. I. I take that back. I maybe misspoke. He wasn't. He. He, he was never going to win it. Right. He wasn't, you know, we weren't arguing about him, if you remember. Right. Well, I mean, listen, if if you listen to some of those uh, knee-jerk type Warriors uh, media folks, he might just win Defense Player of the Year this year. Listen to them. <laughs> I think it might be one, two, Draymond and Steph. <laughs> or uh, Wiggins. I thought Wiggins was supposed to be first-team all-defense. Everything. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I will say, so – did you say this or did you say, I can't remember if you told us me before the pod or did you say at Bontemps that um, this is the strongest position a guy has been in in, re- in, 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 the, in recent history here? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if we've, I don't know if I flat out said it, but yeah, I mean, if you just go back and look generally the first half of the year, you see there's, there's a bit of a competition for MVP, right? There's different competing narratives. Different guys have pretty strong cases. Like I said, we just saw last year, the three guys at the top, Embiid, Jokic, and LeBron, were the closest together of any vote I'd done yet. And, you know, typically you sort of see the separation as the year goes on, where one person sort of, you know, kind of steps ahead and is clearly ahead when you get to the latter stage of the season. Like I said, the thing that's interesting about this year is that it's already started to happen. And, you know, again, so, you know, I, I, yeah, I've, I voted stuff one and Durant too. So I'm not like, I'm just going to say, but I'm, Durant is having an MVP level year and he is how many first yeah. place votes did he get? He got, yeah, he got two. Giannis two. got yeah. Giannis is having an awesome season. He got well, three and, 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 and is having a great season again. He got one and Durant's still going to have a chance. Durant's leading the league in scoring. He is, uh, you know, he's much, shooting 53% from the field. He's Holy been, yeah. Moses. He's the, been incredible. Yeah. He's, he's much more, there, there's much more responsibility on his shoulders than anybody anticipated there would be, um, you know, given not just Kyrie and then Harden's drop off, but you know, Joe Harris is is going is out for a while and will, will yep. be out for a while. This I mean, is like, a, this is a Kyrie tax. Like you almost would have thought it would be the other way that Durant 
holding the Nets in first place, despite the Kyrie situation, would be a feather in his cap. But instead, I, I think I think, well, it, I is. think it, it definitely is. I just it, the, the Warriors returning to the 2014-15 Warriors sans clay has been such a revelation in the eyes of most people that it's going to overwhelm the field, which is what it's doing. I mean, remember, yeah. Yeah. The, it's the season's two months old. Two months ago from now, or two months ago now, in mid-October, there were people who were wondering if the Warriors were going to be another playing team again. I agree. If they were going to yeah. like maybe squeak in the playoffs, and they're on pace to win sixty-five games. So, you know, that's that's why this has happened. Like Durant, in, in, in if if the Warriors are on pace to win fifty games instead of sixty-five games, Durant very well may be in first place in the poll, right? Because he's been incredible, and Harden has taken a step back, and Kyrie isn't playing. Like Joe Harris is hurt, like man said, like all the pieces are there for him to win another MVP. But Steph's combination of his success on the court individually and their team being so far ahead of what most people thought they would do, if not virtually everybody, uh, it's that's just a combination that I think, like I said, if he stays healthy and he stays on the court and, and they're still a 60 plus win team, I, I think the chances, I think his, he's incredibly in an incredibly strong position to win another MVP award, which by the way, I think he'd be one of nine guys ever to win three or more MVPs. I mean, you get into pretty rarefied air. Um, if you win three MVP awards, you're talking about guys like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty exclusive group. If yeah. You start getting to that territory, but he's never won finals MVP. So Steph's not all that. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't research this, but, so he last won in 2016, their 73 win year, if I'm correct. That's right. So he'd be six years. Of, if he won it this year, he'd be six years apart. I have a trivia question about that. There's one other time in NBA history that has happened. I was going to say who the other winner was. I would guess Kareem just because he won so many. Uh, well, th- this, this would be between about- just between MVP awards. Yeah, I know. I know. First and last one. No, I got gotcha. you. I, st- I still going to guess Kareem. The answer is not Kareem. I'll give McMahon a guess. I'm trying to cheat here. <laughs> uh, I, I, okay, I'm giving up. The answer is Wilt Chamberlain. Okay, I was, that's, that's say, I was scrolling. That's, I hadn't gotten back. To they're really the, the only the, two because the thing about that kind of a thing is you've got to win it multiple times, which there's only a handful of guys that have won it multiple times, and then you've got to win it that far apart. And because of because of Bill Russell, who won a bunch of them, uh, you know, Will Chamberlain at one one. I believe it was 1960 and then 1966. Well, Chamberlain um, or Chamberlain kind of changed his career a little bit. He was like a total volume shooter. Like, um, yes, you know, Chamberlain averaged, you know, people talk about the year that he averaged 50 points and 25 rebounds. But he have, he had a year where he averaged 40 shots. I'm going to say that again averaged 40 shots. Um, so, but then later in his career, you know, much later, I think after he, I think he was with the Sixers when he decided to pass the ball. And he, instead of averaging 50 and 25, he averaged like 25, 23 and nine. Yeah. And the, he was, he was a different player than he was. Um, in Steph's case, he's the same player, 20, 20 pounds heavier. Um, and, you know, I will say this about Steph. His first phase of his career, he had this issue with his ankles. He, he, you know, had surgery and he adjusted 
his strength. He adjusted the way he lands and everything. And it, it freed his, um, his MVP, his first MVP years. Now he's strong Steph, big Steph. Uh, in theory, like what, you know, when the Cavs played him in 2016 and beat him, they beat him up. Uh, just were very physical with him. And so he's gained this weight to be somewhat more impervious to that. So it's almost kind of like, we'll see if this is the third phase of his career where he's, you know, made changes and, and there's circumstances that have changed. This team is now not a 500 team. It's now a, yep. a championship level team. Again, that also, I'm not discounting that, but we also are seeing a bit of a different stuff and we'll see how that manifests itself. And, and by the way, if, uh, if Katie storms storms uh, back and wins this thing, then it would be an eight year gap between his MVPs. Yep. And I would argue that uh, despite it being eight years, two teams and a, a an Achilles surgery later, he's the same guy in a lot of ways who won it when he was in OKC. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, you're right, McMahon. But I'm saying like that's his 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 narrative potential was high off the Achilles. Yeah, Kyrie, Kyrie, <coughs> you know, absconding. And it's just there's my vocab that, word of the day. I'll look that one up later. If you'd said before the season, Kevin Durant was going to be healthy and playing like he is. Kyrie Irving wasn't going to play. And James Harden was going to be less than his normal standard and wouldn't receive a vote in a poll like this. Despite and the being Nets healthy, were in first place and the Nets were in first in the East. You would have said Kevin Durant is going to be the favorite to win MVP. Right. It's just a credit to both how well <laughs> Steph is playing and how surprising Golden State's team success has been that it's even managed to outstrip that. And by the way, if we're going to talk about like the longest gaps between uh, guys winning the MVPs, I would be remiss not to mention that uh, Mac 10 and the LA media contingent are still working <laughs> on that recount for the, uh, for the 2020 MVP voting. You know, they're, they're, they, they still, I mean, I'm not sure if LeBron isn't going to end up getting that thing awarded to him uh, a few years later. They're still working on the recount. <laughs> I could make a ton of lines here, especially as I'm sitting in Georgia, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. We talk about one other, one other thing about staff winning MVP from an age standpoint is uh, he would be also become the third oldest MVP. If he does win behind uh, Carl Malone in 99 and my, uh, Michael Jordan in 1998, uh, cause he'll be 34 next year, which also was a sign of his longevity at the top also. Yeah, I mean, KD would have to be up there as well. He's 33. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, so the Bontemps poll, um, this should be taken as a pretty legitimate feel for where this vote is. It's the so, most legitimate thing that Bontemps does. Not <laughs> so to like, damn it with faint praise. And going, going, coming from McMahon, that says all you need to know. People will, some people may argue and be like, that's not true or whatever, but I'm telling you, you may not like it. Uh, although I think this one, I don't, I can't think of somebody really disagreeing with this one, but you may not like it, but um, this thing is legit. And, you know, last year it foretold that Jokic was going to win it and Jokic did and has done it before. And so Jokic uh, did, despite one of the most intense lobbying campaigns against <laughs> him in the history of MVP voting led by. I'm not led taking by, that bet. Yes, you are, Wendy. You just did. Not, I didn't. I said led by, and you you assumed I was talking about you. I'm not taking the bait again. It wasn't a case against 
Jokic, Jesus. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> not... oh, good. Hey, hey, I hope you can convince the Jokic brothers of that because I heard they're looking for you. You know what's sad? The Jokic brothers deleted their Twitter account. They came out with their Twitter account, had something to say, and then they deleted it. It's gone. Probably the best for everybody, but that <laughs> probably right. <laughs> I think... Yeah, I, I wonder. So... I wonder if Michael Malone might have. You know, privately whispered, "Hey, fellas, you know, social media is not all that it's cracked up to be." <laughs> um, so I'm here in Atlanta, and uh, I did something this morning before um, when I got to town. I went to see the overtime elite set up here mm. in Atlanta. Um, not everybody may be familiar with this, but overtime elite is the is I guess you'd say it's the rival to the G League Ignite. Um, it's a little different in that they take uh, players younger than their – the G League Ignite is really for players who are in the gap year in between um, mm-hmm. their high school graduation and the uh, their draft eligibility where their players can play in the G League and the top players have gone to the Ignite and they've been getting, I think, up to 500000 This is the second year. Two guys were on the, from the Ignite last year, uh, Jonathan Kaminga and – uh, Jalen Green. Jalen Green uh, got got picked in the top 10. And so the G League Knight was obviously a really good success. Two top 10 picks, or I guess tops wasn't Kaminga, like seventh seven. or eighth. Yeah. Two top mm-hmm. seven picks. Yep, two of the top year. seven. So Overtime Elite is started in Atlanta. And um, I have to tell you guys, I was blown away by their setup. Now, they are very much in their infancy. They have um, a couple of guys who are high school juniors uh, who are here, in addition to guys who are in their uh, you know gap year, in their age 19 year, who can be draft eligible. Um, still seeing you know where these guys might go, um, talking to different people. Some people think there could be a, a potential lottery pick here, but you know. But what I'm telling you is this is the future. Uh, I really believe it. And the, the, this, so Overtime is a digital media property that uh, basically when I was in this facility today, um, it's the house that Zion Williamson built mm-hmm. because Overtime would, would, pay, would hire people to go to high school games and AAU games and basically record the games and they would take highlight plays. And Zion Williamson was going to be the number one pick in the draft. He was going to go to Duke no matter what, but people saw who Zion Williamson was with his highlight dunks when he was 16 or maybe younger because of overtime. And in a way overtime helped Zion get a lot of hype because they took his highlights to the masses. So they expanded that franchise to, to basically start up this. And the guys here are getting paid six figures. I think there's people getting paid up to 500,000. There's 27 players in the program, but I'm not going to talk about the players. That's for Gavoni and Mike Schmitz, Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz to do. I'm not a player evaluation expert. I'm just going to tell you what I saw when I went there today. It's in Midtown Atlanta, their facility. It's a brand new building. They have, when you walk into the building, there's this long hallway. As you walk down this hallway, they have wall size photos lit up of all their players. It's exactly like walking into an NBA arena. Like that's, it's set up like that. They have a full double practice court that is equal in quality to an NBA practice, double practice court, better than some of the NBA practice courts I've seen. And then they have 
a weight room, which is, you know, state of the art. It's probably, they probably don't have the same level of weight room and they certainly don't have like the aqua therapy. At least I didn't see it like the NBA teams have, but certainly as good of a weight room as you probably see at any college basketball facility. And, and better than you're going to see at a high school. For sure. Without question. And then they have their arena, which is a 2000 seat arena, or maybe it's 1500 seat arena. And we guys, when you go in there, it's like a surgical, it's like a, it's like an operating room because the light in there is like incredibly bright and intense because 24 seven practically overtime is capturing these guys for social media stuff. There's TikTok, Instagramming, YouTube, YouTube and going on like nonstop, uh, you know, the, the, the practice that I was at today, there was a number of NBA scouts, including a relatively high ranking uh, league executive there. And when they, when the uh, practice was over, the players came over and thanked the scouts for coming. Um, some of them thanked me for coming. One of them said, thanks for coming, Adrian. So it's always, <laughs> it's always appreciative. Uh, but there were cameras on them, like at all times like to do this as part of their model and part of what they're getting for their hundred thousand or 500,000, whatever they're getting is name image likeness is that there can be captured, you know, doing this at all times. And we'll see if it works. We'll see if they actually take a player who's 16 years old, who's sort of a, if he, we don't know if he'll make it or not and turn him into a, um, a, a, you know, a lottery pick, or they take guys who would be maybe, middling second round picks and turn them into first round picks. We don't know. It's way too early. In fact, they had a hard time coming up with their schedule. Nobody wants to play them. You can imagine. So how many um, kids are in the program? 27. Okay. So the, but they can at least compete against each other. That's what that's what they do. And they, they have, they play NBA games, NBA style games against each other. So they have a with, league with the with NBA three point line, NBA three point line, wow. 48 minutes. And their arena has like, even though it's a small arena, it's got like suites in it. Um, and there's just giant scoreboards. I mean, it's, it almost feels surreal because, it, you know, what? almost, I was never in the bubble bond temps, but it almost kind of feels like the bubble because it's very small. You know, it's mm -hmm. not, it's not built to get a huge crowd, but it's completely surrounded I by mean, the Hawks didn't used to get 2000 until recently. You're not kidding. Um, and, you know, and the, the players live a 10 minute, I was talking to one of the players today. He says they live, a, they live about a 10 minute walk away in what is university housing for Georgia Tech. It's very close to Georgia mm. Tech. It's a couple of blocks uh, north of Georgia Tech in Midtown Atlanta. And I mean, I, I, I can't speak to the, to, the, to the players, but it is like, and here's one of the things. About five years ago, I did a story on whether the, the NBA has academies yeah. Uh, out in the world. They have one in Africa that's actually been able to identify some players. They have <clears throat> several in China, which has been able to identify nothing. It's been one in, one in Mexico, I believe. Mexico. They have one in Australia. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> those are schools where the, where the NBA, you know, finds young, really young players, brings them into school and teaches them and develops them as basketball players. <clears throat> The NBA was thinking about doing this. Yeah. I did a story about this three or four years ago. Um, and I think they were even saying they were looking at like Dallas, some sort of. I know Mark uh, Cuban was. I also did a story a while back and Cuban was one of the one of the owners who was pushing hard for this type of thing. Basically, um, take the development away from the AAU programs and, you know, take ownership of it as, as a league. Right. And so the NBA 
I think they weren't crazy about getting into the idea of they had to worry about educating these guys. You know, 20 years ago when LeBron James was a junior, maybe as a sophomore in, um, in high school, uh, he played Oak Hill Academy. Famously, Carmelo was playing for Oak Hill. Uh, but when I, so I went, I went to Oak Hill and Oak Hill is the same kind of concept in that it's like a high school that's like, you know, for basketball central, yeah. but it was in the middle of the mountains in, in Virginia, like literally in the middle of nowhere. I remember driving there, forget about a cell phone signal in like 2000, 2000, 2001, when I went there, you couldn't get any radio stations. <laughs> I remember the only radio station you could pretty much get was either gospel music or people reading the gospel. Those were your two choices of a radio station. I remember one of the players. And, and, me, and you came back a better man, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I remember one of the players. It was, it's literally, it was literally, on, it, I'm sure it's still there. It was on top of a hill. And one of the players told me, well, sometimes um, we all, you know, get in a car and we go to the nearest McDonald's, which is like 45 uh, minutes away. So to contrast that, which was a different era, you know, whether players are basically out in the mountains, you know, working on their basketball, like uh, drug, you know, Ivan Drago um, to this, which is in, you know, I'm sure these young men are uh, having a great opportunity to enjoy Atlanta. Um, uh, it is, it was, I mean, I'm, I, I, don't, I really don't even know what to make of it. I just know. And by the way, so the NBA didn't go that route. They ultimately went the G league route. They said yeah. they're going to, you know, um, David Stern was one of the first investors in this. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Yeah, I, and I was going to say, I definitely think this is something that the NBA can benefit from. My biggest question is, and you mentioned all the social media stuff. Listen, I'm not business savvy, but how is this going to work financially? Yep. Right. Well, you know, like, is this a sustainable business model because from a basketball perspective i think it can be a great thing these guys are going you know when you when you talk about the development of the of the au it's not these guys will get good professional coaching skill development nutrition weight training um you know structure i i i think from a developmental model to have elite prospects in this kind of a program is something that can benefit the nba tremendously um again financially i'm sure they've they've done a lot of homework and you know if it if for whatever reason it doesn't work financially i do think it's something the nba ought to look into uh you know helping out chipping in on 
Well, yeah, they're a couple competitors execs, for the NBA right now. <laughs> that's right. And, and a couple the a couple executives that I've talked to have gone there have had sort of the same impression that you did, Brian, which is that the facilities are really awesome and the kids are, you know, it's a little early to know how good they're exactly going to be. Um, and yeah, like how is this thing going to make money? I, I think that's really the the one big long-term question. Cause as you guys both said, you can't really argue with the fact that if you have, you know, high level talent like this in a environment where, you know, you get good you know, nutrition, coaching, uh, skill development, et cetera. Um, it's not going to, there's no question it's going to benefit these kids going forward in terms of their basketball ability. Um, but it's how does that generate enough money to pay for all this stuff, which isn't cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, how good a prospect are they going to be able to get compared to the G League Ignite and some of these other avenues that kids have a chance to go on? Or do kids now also go to college? Because remember, yeah. when this was being created, the NIL situation was much different, right? Now you can go to college and get a bunch of money to play at Duke and at uh Gonzaga and at UCLA that you couldn't three or four years ago. So we'll see how that changes things too. So um, there's a couple of venture capital firms who put a bunch of money in Um, Jeff Bezos, Drake, and um, the New York times reported two dozen current NBA players, including Trey young, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Carmelo. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mentioned David Stern was one of their first investors. So like there's two paths here. Number one, I mean, if you don't have money in it, do you really care? whether they get their money out of it. I mean, uh, you know, all, like, all, only if you want this to be a program that's that survives and is around for a long, well, time. I don't care either way. I'm just telling you what they're doing. I don't care whether it succeeds or fails, but that's number one. Number two, um, there's a bunch of different ways. One, I think is they'd love ESPN probably to buy the rights to these games. Now the games right now aren't very attractive. They're playing each other. Yeah. And ideally, the G League Ignite would play this team. And it would be like, in theory, watching college all-star game. Yeah, but you know? these a lot of these guys are, are high school juniors and seniors, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I know. So it's, it's not, not it's ideal, not, but... It's not, you know... That's why you say they're competing against the G League Ignite. Not, not directly. Well, listen, man. Who knows? If this really works for the next few years, and again, like... The, the, the reason that NBA players are so are so invested in this, they like the idea, is that these players are, are, are essentially partners, partners uh, in the project. They, you know, they have sort of an ownership sort of stake in it. But um, so they have three different head coaches because there's three teams. But mm-hmm. sort of the the overall the head of the coaches is Kevin Ollie, who um, you know had a long NBA career and then coached at Connecticut, won mm-hmm. a national title at Connecticut. Um, so they have good coaches, good development people. I, I asked a number of, before I got there, I asked a number of agents and league executives, I go, what do you think about this? And they, all of them were like, well, it's good people and it's well put together. This is not like, you know, from the two, from the nineties and two thousands, you know, where there were these schools popping yeah, up. The, the, the charter school that pops up in a strip mall. Right. Or like what we just saw in football that school that was like not even a real school that well, had all these like fifth year Bishop well, Sycamore. They had like 25th year guys. Right. Well, whatever. But like, that was obviously a fly by night operation. This is, <laughs> this is bona fide. So it's the next, it's the next, but you know, if it goes really well in the, for the next, like, you know, let's say they, let's say they pop out six or seven lottery picks. Let's say that people are interested in them. The NBA could buy them. 
Yeah. <laughs> the NBA could buy him out. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really that worried about the investors. I don't care if Jeff Bezos. No, I, I like I said, I, I was only saying that from and I think McBann would agree. I, that's only from the standpoint of this thing is an interesting venture. But what is the long term viability right. of it? Is it something that's going to be around in five years or is it something that is around for a couple of years, doesn't make money and then goes away? I think t- to me, the more interesting trend is, like you said, you go back to the academies, you look at the Ignite, you look at Overtime Elite. And the NBA is drifting closer to a model more like what elite level European soccer is, which is like all Mm -hmm. these teams, you know, it's not quite the same because like in European soccer, be like if the Lakers and the Mavericks and the Knicks all had their own like youth. And if they 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 got them when they were eight. Right. And they but like but either way, like they like develop the players that they play on their team. It's a little different than that, but it's still moving towards a model where, like McMahon said, the, the league and the teams are getting more and more invested in taking over the development of these guys at a younger age, which, you know, rather than just playing AAU games, no, this, that's not really a shot at the AAU system. But if you have a system like this, where you have guys that are getting, you know, across the board training and nutrition and everything else, it's probably going to be better for them in the long term. Well, anyway, as I was there and uh, uh, a bunch of, scouts were coming in to see them play this weekend and see the NC Auburn play. They canceled the games because of a flu outbreak mm. within the team. So it was always good. Always good news. I was told not COVID just flu. Uh, always good news. When you hear that you're someplace where there's a, there's a virus outbreak. It's very exciting. That's half so, the NBA at this point. No kidding. Uh, um, all right. Well, uh, thank you. Bon temps for your straw poll. Thank you, McMahon, for being McMahon. Thank you for listening to Collective Podcast. We will uh, talk to you next week. Adios, amigos.